Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, and I am beyond excited to uh, to bring you today's guest. He's someone I've been wanting to uh, to chat with for a while, just to uh, just to get him in front of you guys. And uh, to be honest, his resume is uh, is so impressive; it would take me probably the the entire length of the show just to read the highlights. So, without further ado, we are going to jump right in and give a huge, warm welcome to the Godfather himself, Mister Sammy Knight. <laughs> Welcome. There you go. Thank there you. He is. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Okay, guys. All right. Calm down. Thank calm down. Calm, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What an honor to be here with you, Sam. Man, it. I've. I have wanted you on this show since I heard you talk the first time um, up at Apex. So uh, do welcome. And man, I. I all always ask the guests, you know, where they're from. Tell us a little bit about themselves and stuff. So uh, we get started right there. Give us a quick thousand foot overview of uh, of who you are, Sammy, and then uh, then we'll get into the meat of the show, buddy. So I'm a local Southern boy from Mississippi and. Uh... I grew up here, married my high school sweetheart, and we've been together for 40, almost 49 years, married for 42, almost 43, and uh, we have two children. I've been, um, I've been the underdog, I feel like, most of my life, um, and, and part of that was intentional, I guess. I probably did it to myself, but I always felt like I was a, a little bit in inferior of the opportunities that were presented to myself. So I always felt like I had to work a little harder than the next guy. And I think that paid big dividends for me, but I, I wish I was smart enough to tell you that that's the way I started. And I came out <laughs> with this intention that that was going to make me work harder. But really I, um, I, uh, was always, I was a shy kid when I was younger and, mm-hmm. um, just never had the self-confidence until, I got into business and started getting some opportunities presented to me. And I would go into them with a clear understanding that I was the underdog. So I had to go to work early. I had to stay late. I had to do extra things. I had to, if it meant staying out all night with clients, I stayed out all night with clients. I, I just thought that's what I had to do because I, I always felt like I started in hold, but I was in corporate America for several years. Uh, involved in the food business and telecommunications and then I moved into entrepreneurial world about 20 around 21 or two years ago and uh, found my home I love it I I, I would I would never go back were were you were you shy in the corporate world too or was was that something you you had outgrown by then because I'm I'm going to be I, I'm really going to be asking about your transition into into entrepreneurship and how that journey went. So I'm I'm wondering how uh, how you conquered that the the, the shyness and, and how you overcame that. You know, I was uh, when I first started really in corporate America um, as a sales guy. Uh, I was in telecommunications. That was kind of easy. I was more in the maintenance side of the business. But when I got into um, in the food business, I was a field sales guy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a little shy walking into these clients and going, hey, I've got this great product. Let me <laughs> tell you about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I was selling hot dogs and bologna, so we'd cut that bologna, and I'd sit there and eat it and hand it to them. And, you know, over time, these people that I was doing business with finally resonated to me that, you know, they're just like me, mm-hmm. and they're people that want to be successful. And I wanted to be successful, so I became this sponge. I just, I just sucked up everything I saw him do and say. And I'll never forget the first time I got up in front of a large group. <laughs> I mean, before I even got up there, I sweat bullets. And just my voice—it <laughs> was just like <laughs> you just hear it. Crack were your legs were your legs shaking too? Because I, I know oh, my, my God. <laughs> I looked like Elvis Presley. I was up there dancing. Um, <laughs> And uh, he's he's from person. your neck of the woods, isn't he? He is. He's from about Tup- sixty miles from yeah, here, Tupelo. Tupelo, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Like- and then uh, Graceland's in Memphis. I have uh, four, five, five different businesses in Memphis. And, oh wow! But I, I I broke that ice that one time, and I thought, man, that didn't feel too bad, and nobody bit me or said I was an <laughs> idiot. So. I started building that self-confidence, but I've always been this huge fan of people. I I feel like people are just so undervalued and we, we screw that up so much as a, as a society. And I think everybody, and I learned this in those early days, but I think everybody's got something to offer. It's up to us to give them a chance to offer it. Well, that and, it's up to us to to remind them that they've got something to offer. A lot of people think they don't have anything to offer. They they don't realize that we don't know the same things that they know. You know? That's right. <laughs> That's true. And and so I think it kind of I, I started that way, and then my I started coming out of my shell a little bit, and then opportunities presented themselves, and you know. But everything that I've ever had come my way has been because of people. Yeah. People, yeah. People gave me a chance. People trusted me. People supported me. People sponsored me in the challenging. I mean, every single thing was because somebody came up to me and said, hey, I see something in you and I want to help you. Well, that's, And I was willing to listen. That's because of what you touched on last time, a uh, few, few paragraphs ago in that you knew you were the underdog and you showed up and you did the work and you put the work in and you stayed late and you got there early. That's what they saw in you. They saw that hustle. And people aren't really willing to invest in anybody that they don't see that in. So, I mean, you, you had it right there from the beginning. Yeah, and you know, Sam, I think, I think what a lot of people uh, miss on is when they try and they make a mistake, a lot of people run. Mm-hmm. Man, I'd make a mistake and I'd run to it and say, I got to do better. And I'd beg for another opportunity, you know. And so I had these, I had these sponsors in my life. I like Mm -hmm. to refer to them as, and they, they helped me overcome all of that. And now I'm as comfortable in front of one as I am a thousand. I Mm -hmm. just, (laughs) it feels fine. And, and, and I am trying to help everybody I possibly can. Everybody I come in contact with, I'd like to try to help. So, you know, like, I do want to cover your entrepreneurial journey and your move from sales to entrepreneurship and everything you've built and everything you've done. But I kind of don't as well, because I bet you've been on like a load of podcasts and you've told kind of the same trajectory and stuff. So, you know, 
I thought I'd throw a curveball out here and just ask you, Sammy Knight, what's your favorite particular subject right now that is calling in your heart that you want to speak about? Boy, you didn't send me the cliff notes on this. I didn't know I was going to get hit with it. Well, you know, it's, no, it's always the same questions, isn't it? You know, and I'm just like, I know you got, you've got more more messages inside of you than just about anybody that I've ever come across. And you've got the tagline about the, the and then I heard the, when I pulled my head out of my hand, it just, it just, it just works. And so I wanted to come to you and, you know, I, yeah, I want to ask all the same questions, but you, you've given a lot of the same answers, surely. And let's, let's talk about what's, what's on your mind and, and, and what you're trying to have an effect on right now. You know, my goal, and I tell this story and it's been said before, but it's something my dad told me a long time ago. I was about 13 or 14 years old. And, um, and, and, in short, because it has been said before, my dad basically told me that while you're still here on earth, before you leave this place, it's my responsibility to share everything I know mm. with anybody that wants to hear it, especially the next generation. So they won't make the mistakes I made. And and that's, what's really, really heavy on me right now is I am, I, I don't want to leave this earth until I have absolutely dumped everything that I can with the next generation, not in a fashion that says, Hey, you're doing this wrong, but in a fashion that says, here's something to think about. Yeah. And make your own decision because I was allowed to make my own decision. So mm -hmm. that's really, that's, that's really a driving force for me. I mean, I make a post every day, um, in entrepreneurs and executives occasionally and, entourage and then on my own page and it's just things that i've seen heard impacted me over all these years and it just comes to me if you'd have told me two years ago that i'd be doing that i said you're smoking <laughs> dope no way i'm gonna do that but it just started and, it, and i attribute a lot of it to apex right it right. just started resonating to me and like Oh, I'm going to say something about that today. I was driving down the road uh, yesterday with my wife and I, somebody had driven off from a gas pump and the hose was still in their car <laughs> and it fell off on the, on the road. And I told my wife, I said, take a picture of that, take a picture of that because there's a story in there somewhere, you know, and it, it don't, don't run around with your tank empty, but, but don't think it's going to be full all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and how can I use that to help? to help people be better. And, and I, I tell you, the other thing I like to try to do is I like to try to deliver that in a fashion that it's very easy for somebody to get their hands around. So it's things that we're hearing every day. So when I saw the gas hose instantly, what's the hottest topic right now? Gas prices. Gas prices. Yeah. So how do I fold that in? So when I say something, anybody that reads it goes, I get it. I need to think a little different. I need to do something in a different fashion today than I did yesterday. So that that's what's most heavy on my heart today. So how do you how do you make that connection then? How how do you take something that you're experiencing and break it down to a level where not only people can understand it, but they can also extract a lesson from it? You have a particular technique for that, or is it just is it wisdom of the ages that just you know comes out of you? <laughs> I, I got the ages part, if you notice, my, 
my new hair color I started working on here about 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I tell you what I've always been a big fan of because I'm kind of a simple thinker. I'm not a guy that can quote pages out of war and peace, you know, mm -hmm. right. I can go to a great movie and two weeks later, I couldn't tell you <laughs> one single famous line that was right. in there. I have friends that can. And so uh, I've always been a current affair guy mm -hmm. and, and I try to stick with what's hot today. Okay. And say, how can I take that and combine that with a lesson? And where do I find that lesson, you know? And, and, and how do I do it in a fashion that's short? Because I'm, in case you picked up on this, you and I have one thing for sure in common besides our names. <laughs> we both have accents. Yeah. And I'm a little slower talker. And so how can I deliver it in a short format and, and make it? just kind of resonate and and then it becomes more of a challenge to me you know that i take ownership of it and i'm like okay i'm gonna sit down here tonight and i'm gonna write this thing i got this idea and i may write those things 10 or 12 times oh wow yeah and then come back and go okay let me let me do no i, I need to change that change you know and 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 so i really i really enjoy doing it and i never thought i'd tell you that ever <laughs> <laughs> man i you know i find it sometimes i find it a little bit of a chore and then i end up just ringing it in and i'll take a picture and i'll write a couple of paragraphs and that'll be it and then when i do that i always feel like i've underserved myself i've just i've just left it there for it could be easy low-hanging fruit to inspire some people that day and i just you know you go through the motions. I always regret not uh, not writing proper content, you know. So well done to you for staying on it and editing it and, and, and making it right. Because some some mornings I just I, I take a picture, I phone it in, and then I feel bad when I've done it. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a lady about. Uh, it's, it's a lady I have a tremendous amount of respect for. It has a real estate office over in Northern Alabama. I just always watched how great a job she does with her team and her agents and all. Mm -hmm. It's just, just her her passion for the people just always, always intrigued me. So I followed her really close, and so I made a post. I don't know. I bet it was probably fifteen months ago. And uh, she kind of went off the social media for a while. Mm -hmm. Just a lovely lady, and. Um, no, I didn't make it targeting her. I just made a post. That was it. And about six months ago, I'll get a phone call from her assistant that says, hey, can I get your address? And sure. And I gave it to her. And I, I thought she was just going to send me a nice note or something over some other junk that I posted, you know. But <laughs> about a month later, I get a card, a handwritten card from this lady. And, and I mean, I'm telling you, I have a tremendous amount of respect for this lady. She and her husband are just beautiful people. And, and she writes this, this card and she starts to go into how much my post mean to her. She didn't post it. She wrote me a card. And this is several months after this particular post. And she writes this long letter. And I had no idea she lost a grandchild to murder. Oh, wow. He was 14 years old. And. 
and she writes in this thing and I'm all the time I'm thinking I'm making a difference in her life and she writes how my posts are helping her get through it every day and you never know who sees it right and you know remember this is something my dad told me when I was 14 years old he said whatever you do leave it here and so if I got a chance to do that one time, I'll do it for the rest of my life. I won, you know, but <laughs> a beautiful note. Yeah. yeah. A beautiful note about the loss of her grandchild. And, and since that time she's back up and she's, you know, making posts occasionally and just a lovely, lovely lady. So you never really know who you touch. And it, it didn't cost you anything. It was completely free for, for you, for your flame to help light her flame and keep it going, man. I think people yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't write them with a, with a motive in mind. I'm not, I'm not trying to build a revenue stream or nothing. Right, I write right, them because right. that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, and it's just kind of cool. I, I am just starting to discover here in the last year or two the, the the absolute laws of the universe and to to give with no intention of receiving in mind is is right up there at the top of them and so mm. whenever i make a post whenever i make a podcast there's no financial motive in mind it's just what lessons can we teach and 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 the mm. universe rewards us accordingly man so yeah it really does i tell you something you need to do what's that i, I was overwhelmed the night i saw you playing the drums like, wow. <laughs> thanks pal thank you that's impressive i grew up and you uh, and it's the same thing in return okay that i just explained about this lady you did to me and you didn't even know it uh -oh. you got up there and got on those skins and you were banging on those skins my brother was eight years older than me and i absolutely idolized this guy he he could do no wrong every time he walked he walked off the ground he was just so he was just that big of a of a person to me and like I say, I was considerably younger than him, and he was a drummer. Okay. And uh, I lost him to suicide many, many years ago. And um, and when you were up there banging on those skins, for some reason, I, it, it had been heavy on me about my brother. And when you beat on those skins, I was like, that's it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that heaviness just went calm. Wow. And it's it's been gone ever since. So... The night you beat on those skins made a difference to a guy sitting in the crowd. Damn, dude, I had no idea. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. You know, the only yeah. reason I played them is because they were trying to get me up there to sing karaoke, and I'm like, nah, man, <laughs> you don't want to hear me sing. But uh, And there was just a spare drum set on the stage. I'm like, let me just bash on those instead. And uh, I never even, thank you so much for that. I'll, I'll play drums for you anytime you want, buddy. Just, uh... <laughs> well, I, my point is, you know, you don't, you, you do post, you could do a 30 second, one minute. Yeah. You know, and who knows? It just draws people to it. But that particular night, it was like, I went to that place to hear a guy named Sam that had the same name as I do <laughs> beat those skins. There was a reason I was there. I so, love that. You know, not many people know I was a I was a professional drummer for many years. I just, you know, there there, there came a point in my career where um, I I had got married, I had got a mortgage, and and the the choice was, you know, do you want to focus on a career here close to your wife, 
and, and do the, the normal grown-up shit, or do you want to jump back on a tour bus and go out again and, and maybe, and you know, part of me just, just folded, and I chose a very safe career. I had a, a wonderful career in oil and gas law uh, because oh. of that decision, but I did, I gave up the, the touring, and you know, I keep thinking, Sammy, I keep thinking I've just got one more go of it in me. Like, <laughs> I might just catch a wild hair and put a band back together, you know? Yeah, there you go. That's cool. No, I think you should at least use it to your benefit or use it to your benefit to share a message, you know, and you never know what comes from there, but uh, you sure did impact an old guy in the room. Well, dude, thank, thank, you. You. thank you so much, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so uh, what do you want to talk about now? <laughs> <laughs> you I know, mean, I, I, let me ask you a question. Oh, goodness. Okay, sure. So how did you get here? Airplane. Obviously, you weren't born here. <laughs> no, I, uh, man, I, I was, I was a, a kid, and I skipped school a lot with, like, not school, but class. So I was always in school, but I was out of class, and I'd sneak off to the drum rooms, and I'd practice, because I was going to be a drummer, and that was all I wanted to do. And uh, I played drums for the, the, the school band and then I, for the county band and the, the, the region band and all that stuff. And I just knew I was going to play drums. And um, I, I messed around out of high school for a year or so with, with, with bands and working on trying to get on a UK tour and on, the, on that circuit. And uh, I ended up putting an advert out. I've been to London several times. I'm, I'm from a very small farming community in northeast England. And I'd, I'd rode the train down to London several times auditioning for bands. And I finally, uh, I'd got enough material together to record a demo. And I uploaded it to a, a website called drummersweb.com. And this was in the very, very, very early times of MP3s. And so I got a mm. digital recording online and uh, a very small record record label out of uh, out of Dallas um, hit me up and said, hey, we've heard your shit, we want you to come audition. And I, I flew out and auditioned in person and they just like, right, off we go. And that was that, I was 19 and I'd got on with a record label and had a little US US tour. And we toured in the, in the southern states, you know, and um, it, it was wonderful. Like it was everything I ever wanted. And after that, that band kind of broke down um, about nine months, after about nine months of touring. And um, after that, I was just hooked on it. That's all I wanted to do. And so um, mm. during, that, during that first tour, I, I had met a, a, a girl who would, who would go on to be my, my wife at the time. Uh, not right now. Uh, that that didn't end like like it should have ended. Um, but you know, the the choice was: do you want to stay in America and and try try this out? And and I did, dude. It was it was crazy. I've I've been here twenty two years now. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, all from all from drumming, and I still play. Um, I I get calls every now and again to come play for a band. My uh, I had a wonderful wonderful stint in a piano show which is why i got on stage in a piano bar in front of you i wasn't scared of yeah. it. <laughs> um, but right now um i mean i just i i love to drum i just don't have the the time to commit to it it's not where my priorities are right now um it will always be there for me and it, it is going to be my retirement project is going to open a bar on a beach and, uh, and have a stage and, and bring acts through and, and be able to play with musicians from all over the world. 
However, that has to just uh, that has to just be sidelined for now. I did just buy the stuff to have a recording studio at my house, though. Um, I did it under the guise of, uh, of podcast equipment, but I bought all yeah. the, <laughs> I bought all the instrument interfaces too. So, <laughs> but this is this is about Sammy. It's not about uh, yeah. it's not about Sam. Um, so, I want to touch on your entrepreneur journey for a bit and on some of not only the successes because like when i said your resume is so impressive i don't have time to read it we're right like i don't want to know about all 700 businesses you own and everything because man it's just it's, it's so overwhelmingly impressive i want to go back to the start of your entrepreneur journey and what it felt like to take that jump and then maybe let's look at some of the things you got wrong along the way and some of those lessons you learned. So take me back to you're in sales, you're in corporate world, and there's finally a trigger that says, you know what, it's time I did this on my own. Let's, let's go there. Tell me about that story. Yeah, so the first thing I had to realize was I had to finally realize that I'm probably not a good employee because I'm very opinionated and um most of the time I'm going to give you my thoughts, whether you ask for them or not. And especially when I see mistakes being made, and I thought, ah, this is just crazy. So I, I decided to get into the real estate business. I had had a part ownership uh, venture for a while and it was good. And I started a little bit of business here and there, but when I really took the plunge, I bought a real estate office. And when, when people say they have been successful and I've been successful, man, I'm a very, very blessed man. Mm -hmm. And I made every stupid decision and stupid move on the planet, but I made a lot, a lot of mistakes. But in those early days when I was in corporate America, when I was trying to find my way, I mean, I worked my way up into executive positions and then mm -hmm. to, to, large companies and but when I was trying to find my way you know it was how can I do this these other people kind of have a textbook they're going by that was my mind and and I, I became really good at fixing things on the fly is what I say so when I saw a problem out there we fixed that dude while we were continuing to drive business so right. we didn't do like a lot of companies to stop and say okay let's correct it we fixed it on the fly and we kept going and kept going so that probably paid me great dividends in the entrepreneurial world but my first venture all in by myself i bought a little small real estate company and i was a little sales agency and at the time i was buying and selling land i love land so i was mm -hmm. buying large tracks, cutting them into small, getting my bulldozer out there and making roads. I mean, it was like being a kid with a bunch of toys, you know, <laughs> I'm driving my dozer, excavator. And so I, I was doing that and I had a lady come that was going to help me. And she, um, uh, she showed up the first time I hired her. She was going to be my uh, agent. She had this little agency. She showed up the first time I hired her and she had on a pair of pumps and a, and high heel pumps and a skirt and a blouse and I'm filthy and I'm got my bulldozer out there. I'm like, come on, I'll pick you up on my four wheel and we'll ride around. I'll show you the land. I was so excited about what I'd done. And she said, I'm not going to ride around out there. I'm not, not dressed right. And I'm going to get you some boots. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. You're going to, you're going to give me a plat and then we'll sell it from the plat. I'm like, that's the, 
that's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. And about two weeks later, she brought me a buyer. And uh, I'm telling you a story I've told before, but it, it kind of positions what I did going forward. But right. she brought me a buyer about two weeks later. And sure enough, she shows up and pumps a skirt and a blouse. And the buyer's ready to go see the land, you know. It's a lady from New York, never been in the South in her life, didn't even own a driver's license. <laughs> and uh, so I told the lady and her boyfriend, I said, hop in the four-wheeler. And I, I pointed to Joyce. I said, we're going to leave Joyce here because she's a terrible real estate agent. She doesn't even come dressed right. I mean, I'm just busting on her. I've known her all my life, but I'm busting on her. So we ride around and we come back and the lady kind of likes the property. And instead of buying a small piece, she wanted to buy it all. Oh, wow. And so I was like, sure, I'll be happy to sell it. And we come back and Joyce is sitting there waiting on us, pull up. And I told the lady, I said, now, if you want to make an offer on this, you give it to her, but I'm going to do all the work. Because as you can tell, she's terrible at what she does. And I said, as a matter of fact, Joyce, you should sell me your company. And, uh, she went, oh, no, it's been in our family for 40 years and blew that off, you know. Off she went, came back with an offer on a Sunday from that lady, full price offer. Oh, this wow. was in about 04, mm-hmm. 03 or 04. And um, she said, I got two things for you. Can you meet me in my car? I'll pull up in your driveway. I got an offer and a proposal for you. I sat down with her and she said, I thought about selling my business and I think I will. I said, okay, how much? And she told me, it's on Sunday. And I said, oh, that sounds good. She said, well, when do you want to close? And I said, "Mm, I'm gone tomorrow. How about Tuesday? (laughs) And she said, oh my gosh, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I said, well, (laughs) give me a day then. So she did. And then she told me, she said, I can get my accountant to pick this thing apart. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I don't need to see your books. You're an entrepreneur. I know the drill. I thought I did. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so we picked a closing date and had the price and had an agreement. And I met her there. She and her husband and I signed the paperwork and I handed her the check. And she said, uh, who's going to be your broker? And I said, I will. She said, oh, you have your broker's license? And I said, no, but I'll just go down to the courthouse and get it. I thought that's all you had to do. <laughs> then she explained it to me. And then I said, why don't you uh, be my broker until I can get it? And she said, that's why I'm selling it. I said, well, give me my check back. I wouldn't have taken it, but laughingly. And she said, no, you've already sold it. And there happened to be a young guy walking down the hall. And she said, that's the only guy in here that's got a broker's license you might be able to talk him into it. So I jumped out in front of him and said, look, man, I just bought this business. You don't know me. I'm from here. I gave him all this information. I said, I'll give you 10% of this company if you'll be my broker. And he said, dude, I don't, I don't know you. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm not one to get into a business with somebody. I said, look, I'll handle all the financial responsibility. I'm just laying all this on. Because I got to have a broker, dude. I'm fixing yeah, to close I just Yeah, bought. absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so he says, let me go home and talk to my wife. And I said, okay, I'll meet you in the morning, 8 o'clock. I was, I'll be there at 8 o'clock. So I'm sitting there. He comes back and he says, um, 
the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life I'm about to do. And I said, what's that? He said, I'm going to be a partner of yours. He said, I don't know why. I have no idea. But what I do know is when I told my father-in-law, who's a local attorney, when I told my father-in-law about you, the first thing he said was he was my very first client when I got out of law school, which I was because I'd had a car wreck. My dad <laughs> hired him. I was 16. Wow. And he said, I haven't seen the boy since then, but I know his family and they're good people. And if it hadn't been for that, I'd have never gotten started. So I started not asking all the right questions, but had to fix it on the fly. And it's been that way all the way through. You know, I, I, I didn't open a book. I'm not licensed. I'm not a broker. Never got licensed. I'm just an owner. And so there's no textbook that helps me get better at it. And so over time, it just, uh, that fix it on the fly, just paid big dividends for me, you know, and then I got to know how to recruit. And I was always a sales guy. So I was able to do a little recruiting. I always had a passion for operations. I loved operations, not because I any reason other than it was interesting to me, you know, right. numbers that can I really look at this and determine moves to make on the business. And that was way back in corporate American. So here I am a sales guy. I have a passion for operations. And from there, I learned every trick in the book. I opened a business in China. I lived over there for three years as an entrepreneur <laughs> you, whoa, 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 whoa! Back, you can't just be like dropping that and then skim straight over it. <laughs> come on, come on! You got, you got, you got to give me something on that. You opened a business in China. Yeah, so I, I did business overseas for about fifteen years. No kidding. Prior to, and uh, I had some friends over there, and they had uh, started running a company, and uh, I opened up a. Uh, consulting business over there and I worked some with them and some other people and I lived over there actually in Hudong City in uh, Shanghai what was that um, what was it like to, what was it like to live in China I, I mean I oh. only know about China what I see on the TV which could be it could be anything oh yeah. I loved it it was wonderful the people the people are phenomenal yeah is it a communist country yeah but I felt just as free and safe and even though I know I was probably being watched every step of the way, but I felt just as free and safe as I do here. Sometimes more, you know, I mean, think about China, buddy. They don't mess around. If somebody commits a crime, those people just kind of disappear. Mm -hmm. They don't commit a second one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been real fortunate in all my business careers and blessed, uh, uh, travel into about 60 countries, 63 to be exact, and done business wow. in every one of them. That's and crazy. That's, I see. I didn't know that as much as I do know about you. I had no idea of that. That's that's insane. Yeah. You've, you've been so many places. So now, you know, I'll tell you a, a funny story. My first trip to China was in the 90s. I went to mainland China to a manufacturer that made uh, backpacks. Okay. And um, I stayed in the dorm where all the other people, it was a guest room, you know, all the folks, the workers and all stayed. First night I was there, the um, factory owner came to me and knocked on my door. Neither one of us could speak each other's language, but we could do sign language, you know, like, come on. 
Yeah, yeah. He had me, he had me come outside, and I stood outside while, gosh, I can't remember. I bet it was a hundred. Mamas and daddies and babies came up to me and had me, you know, stand with them and hold their baby and take pictures. And sure, I was glad to, you know, and I did all these, they took all these pictures and later I was able to communicate better with him. Uh, The reason they did that is those people had never seen uh, an Anglo, never seen a white guy. Yeah. And they thought it was uh, would bring good luck to their baby, and so that's why they did that. There's probably some additional revenue streams we can tap into there. Then, being as we're both white, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just things that you learn, and and but it was it was the people were they're no different than us. They speak a little different language, but they they want the best for their children, and they exactly. want the best for their families, and. Respect that. Give them, pay respect to them, and I loved them. They were I mean, wonderful, wonderful. I, you know, I just, I just wonder if uh, all the Russian people aren't the same as that as well. You know, I think we're all, we're all very, very similar. We all just want a little bit better for ourselves and for our kids. Um, yeah, yeah. So, man, that I've been to like... Africa. I've been to Africa several times and done business inside of Africa, and I've been all over Europe and. But just about everywhere you think of. Is there anything left? I mean, is there just the one thing you've always wanted to do that you haven't quite touched on yet that you you, you maybe should uh, strike off the bucket list? Come on, what's next? Man. See, I've hunted all over the world. I've worked all around. I've met so many people in my life. Some good people and some not so good, but, um, boy, Sam, I'd have to say if, if today was the last day, everybody could stand around and go, he did it all. I don't, I don't know what it'd be. I, I really, I wish I could, you know, watching my grandchildren grow up and have children of their own and all those, those are the wants that everybody would love to see. But, but, to say this is something I want to do before I go, nah. Man, that's awesome. I'm a, I'm a blessed dude. I've been so fortunate. I have, God saw how much of an idiot I was going to be. My dad used to tell my <laughs> wife and me, he'd say, son, God sent you an angel and she already had her wings on. He'd look at my wife and go, I am so sorry God sent you an idiot. <laughs> So uh, she's she's bailed you out of jail a few times then, or what? Yeah, she threw me out in, in my parents' driveway a time or two because I was inebriated and not real smart. But what she just do? Just bring I, you bring you back home and drop you off? Oh, uh, it was kind of take like him back. That. I don't I was, want him. Yeah, my mother came to the door and she pushed my wife pushed me out the door and I was like just a slob and she uh, my mother opened the door and turned the front porch light on and. I'm laying out there and I'm looking at my wife and the car tires backing it up right by my head. <laughs> and she, she peels out and I hear my mother go, what are you doing? And my wife goes, I'm bringing him back. I don't want him. And my mother said, I don't want him anymore either. And shut the door. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 
So that was that. You you spent the night on the lawn then, or what? No, my dad came out. My dad was, I, I, he was the smartest man on earth because my dad would teach me lessons about things I was going to probably do in the future. Right. That he didn't really do. And it was just amazing to me. And I can look back right now and go, man, how did he know? That he, how did he know that these were things that I was going to be stupid enough to do? And so he taught me a lot of those lessons. So he came out and helped me to my feet, walked me in the house and said, don't worry, son, they'll all get over it. We'll, we'll get you back together. Just kind of take it easy right here. I wouldn't go back and talk to your mother right now. She's not real happy, you know. My dad was just, he was just the coolest dude I thought on the planet. So, yes, Sam, golly, I, I wish I could tell you something glamorous, but I mean, doesn't mean that I, I would miss anything, but if an opportunity presents itself, but there, I have, I have no wants except for everything good for my wife and my kids and my grandkids and, and folks like yourself. I, I, I just, you, you do realize that's how Jurassic Park happened, right? It was a guy like you. He'd done everything, so he went and uh, he went and reverse engineered dinosaurs. We, we I'm not right gonna up. do that. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. You know, I tell people that, and I, I like a good social beverage from time to time. And people are like, "Hey, you've you've done so much. How are you gonna go out of here?" And I'm, I'm one of those guys that's. I've already written everything about the day that I die. It's all in a in a note that you know my wife and my kids know all they have to do is go into my phone and pull it out and it's it states everything that I want to do. And they're like, Well, how are you gonna kind of end it? And I said, I'll have my wife ask the preacher to go ahead and leave the graveside while my casket is sitting there ready to be lowered. She's to one of my buddies is to back up with a trailer a pickup bed full of crown and a bunch of shot glasses are going to be lined up on the casket so everybody can have one more with the old boy before he goes that's uh that's 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 a hell of a way to to end it there man yeah yeah i uh i just i just laid one of my friends to rest here not too long ago he said he didn't want a funeral he wanted a party so instead of a funeral we had a party and we put up video screens and we put up karaoke and everybody sang his favorite songs <laughs> everybody told a story about him and it, it had nothing to do with the damn funeral so uh yeah, yeah. i shit i i've been sober for for a minute but I, I would stand at your graveside and drink a shot with everybody that's that's oh sure. you're a gentleman that's thank you we'll sure. have water in case <laughs> I, it's just it, man I, I i have man i've just done it I've traveled so much and the sacrifices I made with my family are what I'm, while I am here, that's my goal because I made a ton of them, you know, just, I, I used to travel 280 days a year. Oh, wow. I was just gone. I mean, it wasn't nothing for me to be gone for a month, come back for two baseball games. My kids used to think that I came home to beat their ass. Oh, you know, no. to catch up on everything they did yeah. wrong while I was gone, you uh, know, just so I could leave again. But Wait wait till your uh, dad gets home. Yeah, 
That's right. And they'd be like, oh, boy, I shouldn't have done that one either. He's going to tear me up. Uh-uh. Yeah, so, so I'm, I've been real blessed. Of all the places you've seen, do, do you have a favorite favorite place that you've been to? Wow. I had the pleasure. Another one of those brilliant stories of learning. My wife and I had been married about three years. And you know that that three year, third year is that challenging year when you both are trying to figure out why in the hell is he squeezing the middle of the two of two places instead of the bottom? Yep. Why is he putting the toilet paper rolling off the bottom instead of you know all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff? And, and and I was definitely having my challenges of drinking. And um, she was not real happy. And about that time was when she threw me out in my parents' driveway. And I told her, I said, look, if you'll stay with me till our 15th wedding anniversary and I can afford it, I'll take you anywhere in the world. So I thought, I'll bribe her. There's two things in my favor. One, she won't stay. And two, I'm damn sure ain't going to be able to afford it. (laughs) So, So about 12 years rolled along. And she said, you remember your promise? Of course, I'm a man. No, I didn't remember the promise. And uh, I said, refresh me. And she told me. And and I said, okay. So I start working on this trip three years away. We're going to be able to afford it. And I said, how about Europe? I came back with this great plan for Europe and touring all the countries in Europe. And she said, no, I don't want to do that. Uh I said, okay, well, where do you want to go? And she said, I want to go to Alaska. And I said, oh, man, that's great. That's great. I want to go up there hunting anyway, which I've been countless times. So I said, well, we'll just get a cruise and we'll cruise the glaciers. Okay. You know, so I told her, I said, all right, I got it set up. We're going to go on a cruise. And she said, no, I don't really want to see it that way. And I said, well, hand up. You want to see it? And she (laughs) said, I want to see the country. I said, like, drive? And she said, yeah, we'll fly up there and rent a car. And this has taken me about two years to get to this now. Right, right. And I'm like, okay. So I come back and I found this great idea to go to Anchorage and try to drive as much as we can and see all the sites and go to Fairbanks if we can get there and blah, blah, blah. And go in the summer. And she said, no, I want to see it in the winter. Oh, good Lord. I said, her name is Pam. I said, Pam, the, the, they get a thousand inches of snow and we're not good at driving in the mud, much less in the snow. And she mm. said, she crossed her arms like that. And she said, you promised. Oh. So I said, okay. So I was flying with a buddy of mine and he came up and found this classified in an outside magazine, mm-hmm. dog sledding inside the Arctic circle, eight days, seven nights, 300 miles. I went, I'm going to show her the damn country in the winter. I just, I just knew I was going to walk in and blow her off the skill. Oh, her my going, God. Oh, no. I walked in, and she said, that's perfect. This is a woman that's never camped out. What? She's never been in a sleeping bag. And I said, I start trying to tell her how bad it's going to be. And she's like, no, that's what I want to do. And so I told you this long story to tell you that we went on a dog sledding event for our 15th anniversary. And that was the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. 
where we went, we went into a little town named Bettles inside the Arctic Circle, and we sledded out from there. And and what I saw in the nine, uh, it was just unfreaking believable. And there was, I mean, the the trail we were on had a, I think it was like an eight or nine foot base that we were on with our dogs uh, of snow. Yeah, it was just. It was just phenomenal. And I couldn't take you back, but I do remember we had to dig a snow cave, um, well, a, a hole in the ground as best we could so we could get the tent down in the ground the way we needed it to. And so we had this thing dug, and I, I had my mat, my little pad, and I said, I'm just going to lay down here on the ground. It's kind of starry, you know, and it was yeah, yeah. The, the sun was going down at three o'clock in the afternoon. I laid down, and I laid there for probably three or four hours and got to watch the Northern lights come in. And it was just so phenomenal where I was. And that is the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. I saw some pretty places along the way, uh, in all my travels, but that place was phenomenal. Well, that that's where I need to go. Thank you for sharing that, man. Now you've got me, you've got me fantasizing about going out and getting, uh, (laughs) and <laughs> getting a dog sleigh that i i would never have thought of that dude like i'd have been thinking I, I, like a toyota forerunner and just driving around yeah. <laughs> well that's what i was but my buddy that came up with the idea in that outside magazine i called him back on the phone and i said let me tell you something buddy you came up with the dumbest idea i've ever heard because she wants to go and therefore you're going to and he went he was on the same crew it was six of us it was just a phenomenal trip so, so. So that that that's so crazy to hear about, and I I love that you're telling me a story that uh, that I haven't heard before. Um, this one's a bit of a loaded question, um, but based on that story, you know, what do you think it is that that makes a really good life? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> um. I'll tell you what I think a really good life looks like. Um, and and for a long time, I couldn't tell you that I did this. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I can. Um, I think a really good life, we hear the term balance, and some people say nobody can have balance, and some people are in agreement. It's all over the board. But a really good life to me is taking the responsibility of being um, in a family, whether that be married, whether that be with children, whether that be unmarried, still got your parents, but taking on that responsibility with as much drive as humanly possible. And then connecting that with business and understand that you have a business family that requires the same thing. And if you walk through life and and give your all to both those families, balance happens without ever saying the word. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. It just the the more you can give, and the more you can put out there, the more balanced it becomes, man. Dude, yeah, it's it's, it's just a, I, and I say this all the time, but man. People are so important to me mm-hmm. that they just, they just, 
I've got people that work for me. I got a lady that works for me. She and I grew up together and she's 61 and I'm 64. And I call her my work sister. I have a sister. I have two sisters. I have one sister that's, she's got the biggest heart in the world, but she just drives me crazy half the time. And I love her to death. And this gal's the same way. And I love her to death, but I like to fight with her more than anything. But then there's that every once in a while, there's that time that she just needs to talk, you mm-hmm. know, and let things out. And so we built that relationship that, you know, I, I'd do anything for her. I'd do anything for anybody that I work with, anybody I know, I would right. the best I could, you know. And they just add so much value when you let who they are come out. And then you just get better. Yeah. So that, that's, I love that part of business and life. Man, it's just, I don't want this interview to end. I mean, it, it has to. We're coming up on time. But, dude, this has just been such a fun uh, fun time just hanging out and, and getting to know just a, a little bit more about you, man. And th- there's always, there's so many questions I haven't asked you yet, mate. Um, we're probably going to have to do another interview here in the next couple of months because this is, it's, it's just, it's really been, it's really been fun and, and just educational and motivating listening to you. Um, so there's always a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests and, and, and you've touched on this a little bit, but I'd, l- I'd like some definition on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on this one right now so the, the small business surgeon the podcast itself is aimed at people that uh, maybe a few years behind me and, and quite a few years behind you in uh, in business development and in that stuff and it's as if though I can turn around and talk to me from from 10 years ago and help that guy through the things he's going through what advice would you have for somebody that's maybe maybe 10, maybe 20 years behind you in this, uh, in this business trajectory that you've, you've been on so successfully. What's one piece of advice that you'd want to give them that maybe could, uh, maybe could give them a little bit of encouragement and a little bit of motivation to keep moving along the way? You know, I could sit here and talk about how to look at your numbers. I, I can break down numbers probably as good as anybody and how to make decisions and moving forward and all that. But I think the simple advice that everybody can embrace um, to me would be um, everybody that has a brain has something to offer. Listen to what they have to offer. Listen deep and how can you utilize what they share? Put your spin on it to help your business grow. And the other thing is don't ever, ever, ever be afraid to make a profit. Never apologize for it. Never tell anybody, oh, man, I'm sorry, I, I made money. You're in the business to make money. People want to work with companies that are profitable. Don't gouge them, but be profitable because profitable partners and vendors and companies help everybody grow. Dude, Those that are is- two things I would say. That is some sage advice on the profitable thing, man. Man, I wish I'm gonna write that down so I can dig into it with you next time. 
Um, I know there's a lot of people afraid to charge a fair rate for their services because they think that, well, it costs me this much to do. And they're, they're setting that mindset of, you know, I make $10 an hour over here. So they add on $30 for the three hours it took them. And they forget so much of the uh, expenditure and complexities that go into running a business. And so Remember, touch- greed is good as long as it's healthy. <laughs> I'm I'm have to get a little bit greedier, maybe <laughs> put the prices up a bit. <laughs> well, you know, prices are crazy, but at the end of the day, if we and I, I use the term gouging, you know, we see that happen with gas, and we see that mm-hmm. happen with water when a hurricane comes through, mm-hmm. and you hear all the horrible stories. But you you know when you're gouging somebody, oh yeah, you know when you're popping it to them. Price them a fair price. And make a profit and don't be ashamed of it. And you'll be in business forever. I love that. That's some awesome advice, man. Um, all right, last question. And probably one of the most important ones. Um, for everybody that's been listening, Sammy, where can they follow you on social media? Because I'm sure that just about the entirety of my uh, audience is going to want to keep up with your daily posts and keep up with what you're doing on socials, man. Where can we find you? Uh, social media is just under Sammy Knight, S-A-M-M-I-E, last name Knight, under Facebook, and then on Instagram. My nickname is Tiger, so it's Tiger Knight Fifty Eight. Uh, Tiger Knight Fifty Eight. All right, we'll get on those. Instagram. We'll get those links up in the show notes. Um, man, hey, I got I got something for you now. All right, come on, what you got? Use those drums to make everybody pay attention. Okay. All right. I guess I'll go set my drum set up. <laughs> <laughs> They're just in the garage in, in, in little bags right now, dude. I haven't I haven't had them out in months. Um, yeah, all right. I'll go set my drums up. Sammy, brother, man, it's been an absolute pleasure um, chatting with you. And if you've got a minute, I'd like to uh, like to just chat for just a second after we get done with the show. But um, for everybody that's listening, for everybody that's at home, thank you so much uh, for coming and hanging out with us. And uh, I would love to get you back on and do a, a second, more in-depth episode here in the next few months, man. Sammy, thank you so much for coming thank on, Thank you. Man. What an honor. What an honor. All right, guys, uh, that was Sammy Knight. He is an absolute legend. Uh, he's actually the godfather himself. So um, you'll go check out his socials, uh, follow along with his stuff. And um, if you've liked this show, do me a favor, screenshot the episode, post it up on your Instagram, tag us at Small Business Surgeon. And as always, check back later in the week when we'll be dropping another episode. All right, you'll be good. Stay safe and take care. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.